have mercy. Have mercy on our world. Have mercy on our nation. Have mercy on my city. Have mercy on my family. Please, Lord, have mercy. Give wisdom to our leaders who are lying awake at night thinking about what needs to happen next. Give courage to the nurses who are willingly stepping into the front lines to help people just like us. Give strength to the scientists working tirelessly to find answers for all of us. Give hope to the sick, staring up at scenes, wondering if they'll be the next statistic. Give healing to the legendary grandpas and cherished grandmas. To the heroic mothers and the gentle fathers. To the brave sons and the beautiful daughters. Lord, have mercy on all of us. You don't owe us anything, but we are begging for this. Lord, have mercy. Good morning. Welcome to Elm Grove. Come on in. Hey, good morning, Elm Grove family. We want to welcome you and all those who are joining us this morning, whether it be on YouTube, Facebook, or our website at elmgrovecc.org. We want to welcome you to our Palm Sunday worship experience. We want to welcome you to The Rock. This is our youth facility. A lot of people have asked over the last couple of weeks, where are you guys recording that? Did you go in and paint the sanctuary at Elm Grove. No, we didn't. This is live at The Rock. And so we are shooting our films here at The Rock at our youth facility here in Sealing. And so this is an incredible gift that God gave to our, our church and really our community to reach this next generation. So again, we want to welcome you to The Rock, to our youth facility here on this Palm Sunday morning. Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday that Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. What an incredible, incredible event. And I got to thinking about this week, and I got to thinking about, man, wouldn't it be awesome if this was the week that Jesus made his triumphal entry back into this world? Wouldn't this be awesome if this was the week that we get caught up with Jesus Christ and we get to start spending that eternity in his actual, literal presence, seeing him face to face. Man, that would be just an incredible, incredible way. But I do know one thing. No one knows the, 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 the day or the hour, but I do know one thing. He's ready to make his triumphal entry into your life today. Into whatever situation, circumstances you may be dealing with and going through right now. Jesus Christ is ready to make his triumphal entry into that circumstance, into that situation, into that need, and into that fear. He asks who he is. That's what he's all about. And so today, at the mention of his name, he will be right there. We believe that with all of our heart as we worship together as a family at Elm Grove. Again, welcome. Welcome today to our Palm Sunday worship experience. Pastor Orville will be bringing the message here in just a few moments as we continue in our series, Famous Last Words, as he dives into the phrase, I thirst. And so you don't want to miss that here in just a few moments. We're about to turn this thing over to Blake and Bethany as they lead us into a time of worship. But before we go there, you know, I always like to start off with something funny just to put a smile on everyone's face. This past week, I came across a story of two friends who they had been best friends for a long time, and they both passed away at the same time and went to heaven together. And as they got there, St. Peter saw both of them, and he began to talk with both of them. He said, hey, listen, ladies, he said, there's only one rule here in heaven. He said, the duck is one of God's favorite animals. And whatever you do, don't step on a duck. 
You step on a duck, it makes a hideous sound, and bad things happen when you step on the duck. Well, about a month rolled by, and after about a month, one of the friends, she got kind of careless in her uh, travel abilities there around heaven. And she stepped on a duck, and the duck squawked out real loud, and everyone turned and looked, and St. Peter, he comes walking up to this lady with just this brazen look on his face. He grabs hold of her arm, and he slaps a cuff on her arm, and then right behind him is just the ugliest, ugliest man you've ever seen in your life. And he slaps a cuff on his hand, and he says, because you stepped on a duck, you are now tied to him for a while here in heaven. And the woman's like, I don't want to be tied to this man. He is hideous. Well, the other friend, she's walking around. And as she's walking around, she kind of is searching out all the wonders of heaven. All of a sudden, Peter comes running up to her and he slaps a cuff on her. And then right behind him is the most beautiful, handsome looking man you've ever seen in your life. And he slaps a cuff on him too. And she's sitting there, she's like, whoa, what, what in the world's going on, my friend? She got attached to a hideous man, but I'm getting attached to a handsome man. And she looks at the guy, she goes, I don't know what I did, but this is awesome. And the man looks back at her, he says, lady, I don't know what you did either, but I know what I did. I stepped on a duck. And so, hey, right there, right where you're at, come on, let's go into a time of worship, enter into the presence of the Lord this morning. The Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made, even in the midst of all the things going on around us. This is still the day the Lord has made. Every single one of us can find something to rejoice and be glad in this moment. Come on, go with us into a time of worship today. Good morning, Elm Grove, Bethany and Blake here, and we are thrilled to be uh, sharing with you this morning. We have a few songs and, uh, that we're going to share, and uh, we ask that wherever this video finds you, um, that you stand or sit, raise your hands or shut your eyes, whatever you need to do to, uh, to connect uh, with our Savior. Uh, that's what this worship time is about, even though it's maybe not through the natural means that we're used to. Um, this first one we're going to sing is called What a Beautiful Name.
survived cancer twice but is now immunocompromised because I have that friend too. I'm doing it for your child who already has respiratory problems. I've got one of those too. And I'm doing it for your grandmother because I'd want you to do it for mine. Because I want to see her hold her great-granddaughter at least one more time this summer. She's named after her. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. I'll be honest, sometimes it's really complicated to know what that means or what it looks like. This is not one of those times. This is easy. This is obvious. This is clear. Stay home if you can. Wash your hands when you can. And pray like God is listening. Because He is. Love your neighbor. service is starting. Good morning, everyone. He's risen. What? Hey, thank you, Blake and Bethany, for leading us into a time of worship this morning. Thank you for using your gift, your talent, your anointing for the kingdom today. 
Hey, here in just a few moments, we're going to go into the word with Pastor Orville as he breaks down the phrase, I thirst in our current series, Famous Last Words. Before we do that, just a couple of reminders. I want to remind you, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. We know it's going to be unlike any Easter Sunday that probably any of us have ever experienced, but it's going to be an incredible online moment. We were working hard to make this Easter service something special. And so we want you to join us, want you to get the links out, get the word out, uh, share our Facebook page, share our YouTube channel with your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors, even your enemies, okay? Because we believe we have a powerful message next Sunday as we celebrate the risen Christ. It's going to be an awesome, awesome time together. The building may be empty, but the tomb is not, and the church is alive and well. And so we're going to be talking about that next week, so come celebrate with us Easter Sunday. Also, if you're looking for an opportunity to give, you can go to elmgrovecc.org. Go to our website. There's a giving link there at elmgrovecc.org. You'll find the giving link there, and that'll walk you through how to give online. Or if you still, many people just want to mail it in the mail. We understand that, too. You can send that to 53502 South County Road 226 Chester, Oklahoma. That's how you know you're an incredible country church when you have a county road address, and we're proud of that. That's 53502 South County Road 226 Chester, Oklahoma 73838. And so we just want to say thank you for all those who continue to pray and give and serve and help the kingdom of God expand even in, in some difficult times that we're facing. So God bless you guys for your faithfulness in all of that. Hey, again, we want to take you right now to Pastor Oval as he brings the message, I thirst. Let's go there. Good morning, Elton Grove Church family, and to also to our listening audience. What a joy it is on this Palm Sunday to bring you the message that we've been uh, involved in and as far as the series is concerned. For those that have been listening, our first message was, Father, forgive them. The second message was, Behold thy son. Last Sunday it was brought to us, and it was entitled, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? This morning we're going to reflect upon some more words that Jesus spoke in the closing pages of his life before he died on the cross. He, he spoke these words, I thirst. Later, knowing that all had been completed, and so also scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. There's some key words here, I'll say later, knowing that all has been completed. We've got to understand that Jesus lived a life here on this earth, um, sometimes like the life that we live, and then there's things that he said and done that we were never accustomed to doing. But Jesus cries out these words, and they're not from emotion, they're because they're there to prove that he is the one that's dying on the cross for the remission of our sins. We say sometimes things that we really don't mean. And then there are times that we don't say what we, we would like to say when we really mean. Every, every word that Jesus spoke was calculated. He meant what he said, and he said what he meant. 
In the book of Numbers, chapter 23, verse 19, says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll perform it. We, we are blessed to be able to reflect upon the goodness of, of the word of God. And when Jesus says things, he was confirming it to everyone. I am the one. So it says here, knowing that all things were completed, Jesus had made every everything happen that, that he knew he had to fulfill before he died on the cross. He speaks these words, all men in the natural is, would, would recognize the words, I am thirsty. Have you ever been in a place in life where you were thirsty and you felt like you couldn't go another step without something to drink? Well, the New King James Version says, I thirst. And there was a jar of vinegar wine close by and they soaked the sponge in it and put it on a stalk of hyssop and planted it in the lips of Jesus and he drank from that sponge. When he had received the drink, Jesus says, it's finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. These words are recorded in John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. What does Jesus actually mean when he said, I thirst? Because we know that he doesn't just say things without a reason. And there's a purpose behind it all. And if you'll look to the book of Exodus, chapter 7 and chapter 8, we will start to discover the reason and the history and the period of the Israelites. And the history leads us to where they've come out of slavery. They've come out of a place where they work by the sweat of their brow. Moses had let them out of slavery. And here they are in, out of bondage and yet still complaining. And they were complaining about one thing. What do we have to drink? We're thirsty. And what they're actually saying is, Moses, you brought us out of Egypt to die because we're going to die of thirst. I thirst is what they were saying. Moses was to lead them to an area where they could drink and drink to the fullest. And that was out of the rock. We know that the rock of ages is still Christ Jesus, our Lord. Go to the rock and the water will come out of the rock and a covenant was made that day because people complain. Let me ask you today, do we still live in a world that's full of complaining? Do we still hear people complaining about the minor things? Let me say this, water was a major thing that need, was needed no matter what age or where they were located. This is a statement that they were complaining about. Is God among us or is he not? Can I ask this question? Have you ever said these words? Maybe in a trying moment of your life. Maybe a time when your life has been shattered and dreams have been broken and things have happened that you were totally unaware of. You've heard the message, God's a comfort. He's a strong, strong tower in a time of need and he knows everything that we need. Have you ever been in a place where you said, boy, I, don't know, I never did think this would ever happen to me, but I know God is with me. And he's promised he'll never leave me nor forsake me. This is my take on things. I reckon Jesus said I thirst because he was trying to pull the messianic prophecy from the Old Testament to say, you're wondering, am I the one? Or are you wondering because I'm not the one? Is this the real Christ or is it not? He's saying I thirst. And we carry this out throughout our Bible and around us today. We're not like Jewish people who grew up knowing the scripture. You wouldn't let 
People leave your house without reciting the scripture by memory in the olden days. It would be up on your doorpost and over your, the overhead of your door. And you would even print them on your forehead or you would inscribe them in the palm of your hand. In Bible days, you memorized the scripture so that when he said, I'm thirsty, that would be taken from them all the way back to the Old Testament where the Israelites were, you guessed it, they were complaining about being thirsty. And they had to go to the rock to get a drink from, of water. And here is a rock on the cross saying, I'm thirsty. You may be saying, just as they were saying, how can it be? I'm so thirsty. And Moses, you're saying, let's go to the rock. Is it any wonder that the centurion soldier later, when Jesus died, the earthquake happened, and the temple of the, uh, of the curtain was torn in two, and everything collapsed, and the centurion said, surely this was the Son of God. So I started thinking about Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, where Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. In the translation of the word blessed in this occasion, it, said, it means happy. In the Beatitudes, when you see these, the words through all the Beatitudes, I looked up what blessed really mean, and it says blessed means happiness. If you're hungry and you're thirsty and you've been, your thirst has been quenched, and you've been to Ted's or to somewhere that really feeds the food that satisfies your desire, you can be a happy camper because you're filled. Now, we're not righteous because of what we do. or righteous because of what he did. So now my inner thirst and my inner hunger, my appetite is quenched when I enter into relationship with the Lord. You see, our outward body thrives on being fed to the natural foods that we're associated with. But we also have a spirit man that must be fed. And there's nothing like being fed on the word of God. We study so that our hearts can be filled. We, ask, we pray so that we can, our, our life can overflow and we'll have something to extend to the world. And, and being satisfied, it's very easy to be happy. And when you're dissatisfied, it's very easy to complain. Do you know people today that's happy? Let me ask you the same question. Do you know those that are not happy? Christ is thirsty. And, and that, that satisfaction came to him when he knew that he had fulfilled what God had sent him to this earth to do. So I've got to figure out my thirst today. Where am I going to get filled? How do I get filled? Uh, how do I do what I, I don't know how to do sometimes? And because of what Jesus has already done, why do I do it? John chapter 12, John chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do, and even greater than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. Jesus is our intercessor today. And, and let me ask you this, this morning, on this Palm Day, have you ever been thirsty? Have you like ever been really, really thirsty? Do you remember the time when your tongue was sticking to the roof of your mouth? Many times after I've preached, my tongue has stuck to the roof of my mouth. And I've asked myself, I actually wonder if my sermon was that dry. Mankind has different ways of acknowledging he's thirsty. Most of the time, we look for a place to, to satisfy that drink with a water fountain. 
You ever, you ever, ever been to the place you've really been hungry? And you look and you look and finally you, you find a place that you can find food even though it might not be the, your favorite. What, I, what he says, I'm thirsty, I've, I've got a feeling that it was a whole lot more to do with what he gave us than what it was for us to do for him. We've got to figure out how to live where we actually live with, it, with the well within ourselves. If we don't have a well springing up into everlasting life, we're falling short of what God's plan has for you and I as Christians. There's got to be something bubbling up inside of us because Jesus came into our heart the day that we asked for forgiveness of our sin. He became our best friend. He says, everyone today, to those that have never accepted Jesus as your personal friend, he's standing at your door knocking today, wanting you to invite him in. And when you invite him in, you can just simply say, Lord, I'm thirsty and I'm hungry. I want to get on the right road. I want to forsake the way of sin. And I want to live a life full with joy. And the Bible says in his presence is full of joy. There's nothing that will satisfy you in your, your, your tour or your journey of salvation like being a happy camper. And being happy and being full of joy no, represents the fact that you're spending quality time with Jesus Christ. When he says, I'm thirsty, I got a feeling that it was a whole lot more than just dealing with his thirst. He wanted us to know that what he was actually doing, he was uh, showing us that even as human beings, we can become thirsty. We can be dry. We can be without anything to loan or give to those that comes in, comes in contact with us. There's got to be a bubbling up inside of us. The Bible not only says in his presence, there's fullness of joy, but there's something else that the Bible says that keeps me on the right, right track, even though there are times when I want to complain about things that aren't going my way. In the book of Nehemiah chapter 10, I believe it is chapter 8 verse 10, says the joy of the Lord is my strength. When I feel weak, I begin to rejoice in the Lord. I can lift up my hands and rejoice because when I do that, that's an act of surrender. I want to, I want to surrender a, a bad attitude, Lord. I want to surrender unforgiveness. I want to surrender anything that would keep me from being full of joy. Because listen to me, you're going to be full of something. Please let that void that God created in our life be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's an amazing story in John chapter 4 we're going to talk about thirsting and one, of, and one of Jesus' sayings. When we talk about this, we've got to look at the story because it's phenomenal. It's, it's recorded in John chapter 4, verses 1 through 26. 26 chapters are, are chapters we can lean on. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was, was gaining and baptizing more people than John. Oh, some things just never change in the body of Christ, do they? Although it's a fact, it was not, not Jesus who baptized, but it was his disciples. And when the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back to, once more to Galilee. Because Jesus is not the competitive type. He's not just going around caught up with all the things that are happening. Now, he had to go through Samaria to get to uh, Jerusalem. And uh, as he came to Samaria... He, he stopped in a place called Sychar. Joseph, uh, it was near a plot of ground that Joseph had given to his son. And, and uh, 
It was called Jacob's Well. The location uh, was located there. Jesus tried, uh, at, was tired as he journeyed to the country. So when he came to Jacob's Well, Jesus, tired of his journey, sat down by the well. And he was about, it was about the sixth hour of the day, which would mean to us about 12 o'clock noon. When a Samaritan lady stopped at the well with her pots to draw water, she said, he, Jesus said to her, Ma'am, would you give me a drink? I thirst. His disciples had gone to town to buy food when this occasion happened. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me of something to drink? For Jews never associate with us Samaritans. And Jesus said these words, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that you're asking for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Well, we're getting somewhere with this message this morning, and this is amazing. The lady says, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well to drink from himself, as, it, as he did himself, and also his sons, and his flocks, and his herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Right there you start to get the picture. It's a great picture of mature Christianity. You've got to go from where I need to feed myself to where there is everything that I need. And I can be fed not only with spiritual food, but I can be blessed by not being thirsty. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I'll never get thirsty again and, and have to keep drawing from this water, from this well again. And Jesus said, Go call your husband and come back. And she stops, and then she answers, Sir, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you're right when you say, I have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you're living with at this time is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true, sir, the woman said. I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews came to the place where we must worship, and that is Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, there's a time it's coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this side of the mountain nor in Jerusalem. The Samaritans worship what they do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is a spirit, and his worship, worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. And Jesus spoke these words, I who speak to you am he. Have you ever came to a place, you knew somebody was speaking, you weren't quite sure, but they were speaking something, and you stopped what you were doing to listen. Maybe it was in a dilemma. Maybe it was when your dreams had been shattered or your life is broken. 
Maybe it's been a time when your best friend walked out on you and there was a voice speaking to you and you couldn't quite understand. And maybe you have said, would that be Jesus? Listen, Jesus came. He's with us always and he lives inside of us and he wants to show himself strong in behalf of all those that will put their trust in him. Think about it for just a moment. Samaria was, Samaria was a place where the ill reputes lived. The ladies that had lived the wrong life and maybe gone the wrong way and made their money through prostitution. It was places where gamblers and people of low esteem moved because they all had things in common. They didn't quite measure up. You know, I don't know about you, but I've been in places in society where I didn't feel like that I measured up. But I can tell you, when I come to Jesus, the Bible said I could come boldly to the throne of grace. I could obtain mercy and find grace in time of need because God doesn't measure us the way that the world measures us. He measures us by the content of our heart. Jesus says, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. The Samaritans worship what they do not know, and we worship what we do know. I'm going to stop there again. Aren't you glad that we know who we worship? He's still the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And next week we're going to reflect upon the goodness of Jesus Christ, one who suffered on the cross, bled and died. But he arose again. Aren't you glad we had the comfort that we can look at the tomb today and know that the tomb is empty? And next Sunday's message will be a message that you won't want to miss. The Samaritans worshipped on this mountain, but it wasn't the place where God would meet them. Yet the time is coming, and now is, he said, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshiper that the Father seek. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to me. And Jesus says, you're talking to him. You're talking to him, man. Ma'am, I'm the one that's coming. In fact, I'm already here. I'm, I'm here carrying on the conversation with you. He didn't reveal himself to very many people. He does to this woman, and I think it shows us something about thirst. I think the real thirst of Jesus is actually that he would receive his life, that we would receive his life, and we would become life-giving people, that when we learn how to give our life to others, he's trying to give us a bigger picture of what this place is, and everything that is about to happen is not necessarily about you. He wants to use you to pour yourself into other people. Toward the end, of the disciples run into the town to get food. Look at verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat, and you know nothing about it. Then his disciples said to each other, Could somebody have brought him food before we got here? Jesus is waiting. He's tired. Disciples uh, got in to get the food. They come back to where Jesus was. And they had the natural food. And he, and he says, we've already ate. They're like, wow, what's going on here? Has somebody slipped the Lord something big? What's happened? Did, did somebody come by with a, a sack of food and feed the Lord? 
Did they give him something and we just, we weren't here to see it? Food that we don't know anything about, they say. No, no, no. My food is to do the will of the Father, he said. This is by, this is phenomenal. Jesus is hungry, yet his appetite was quenched and satisfied by doing the will of God. You know that our appetite can be lost through negative things and bad things and awesome bad circumstances. But when we have good news, we have no appetite. There's a satisfaction of knowing that Jesus is Lord. He's in control. And he's going to work everything out for good to those that love the Lord. Now there's other things that we are involved in that that you can really be in you can really be involved in and this is we're really hungry. And you really want to go to Ted's. You could be hungry physically. You you can get involved with the Spirit of God in something and all of a sudden you feel satisfied. You feel food full. You you like what you ate. And man, I've never eaten but I feel that I've been satisfied with a big enchilada when you get there. You're, you feel satisfied. God has done something through you that's brought results. There's something spiritually that affects our physical realm. The disciples came back to feed with the feed, and Jesus is like, well done. You missed the meal. They were like, what's going on here? And Jesus saw the need of this woman because of his love. You will see time and time again that Jesus stops and meets a need. Why? Because he loves people. He has an agenda. He's on his way to do something else. The ministry-related things. He's on his way to fix somebody's problems. There's something that needs his presence. He is disrupted by needs. I'd rather say he's disrupted by love. His love for people caused him to detour. Even when things looked like they were delayed and weren't, he kept going out. It was okay with when Jesus went out. No, no, I have love, and I'm going to fix this. I need, I mean, I should motivate all of us today. We should all get to a place where no longer it's just about what we can do for me, but it's what I can do for you. We are going to move. There's so much need in our world today, and I'll tell you how we're going to meet it with love. Because... You can't even see it. You can't even do anything about it. But you'll only see it if love is seen and expressed. It's love that causes us to see a need and to be a part of the process and helping. And that is what the greatness about Elm Grove Community Church is. When we reflect upon what God is doing through awesome people, we're able to see a need. And there are many needs around us this morning. And because of the love of Jesus, that's so deeply planted within our hearts, it's so easy to give, to be there in time of trouble, to encourage the discouraged, and put our arms around somebody who did the wrong thing and are sorry for their, their efforts that went the wrong direction. There are two sides that need. There's a question we have to ask ourselves as believers. What side of need are you on? Am I needy or am I needed? Am I needed, a needed person, which means you've always got to fix me? And am I needed, which means I'm always called upon. When love takes centerpiece of our life, we shift from needy to needed. The news is going to give us all kinds of reasons why not. All of the reasons why we shouldn't. 
all of the things that are are going to go the wrong way. Everything that we probably can think of today seems to be going the wrong direction. But with Jesus, Jesus could turn things around in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Then what about feed? We have noticed the need now. What do we feed? Feed requires faith. James says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, action is dead. How can I love God whom I can't see if I can't love my brother who I can't see? And as we come along in our maturity and as we come along on the faith journey of Christ, we, we ought to be able to go further and further away from what I used to be and more and more like what Jesus is. That's why John the Baptist said, I must become less and he must become more. I must decrease and he must decrease. Faith moves us into action. Faith says, not only can I see the possibility, I'm going to be a part of the reality. Faith says, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to get my hands dirty. How can we make that possible? Take a moment, ask yourself, how can I make that possible? Can I summarize this whole story by giving you an actual real life parable today? To see and need the feed, to see and need the people in action, to see people that are discouraged that often just need words of encouragement and an act of faith can revitalize their faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus has chosen you and I to be carriers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in a time this morning when the virus is feared and, and it's not feared in the Christian life, but we reverence it. We're wise. The Bible says we're to be wise as serpents and harmless as a dove. We live under the restrictions of our government and we want, to, we want to be faithful to our government because I believe the Bible says, obey those that have rule over you. At a time of distress, I can encourage you today, you can lift your eyes into the hills from which coming your help, your help. And if you're here hearing this message this morning and you're not prepared to meet Jesus, let me say again, he's standing at your heart's door knocking and he's never going to quit knocking. You can say some other time, some more convenient time, but Jesus says, why not now? He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to give you strength and courage. And he can only do this when you invite him into your life and say, Father, welcome to my life. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I need your help. I need your strength. I want to get on the right highway and I want to be a servant as I follow you and do what you've called me to do. And the Bible says, by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you love one another. Maybe you're here listening today and there's somebody in your life and it's hard to forgive. It's hard to forget. Maybe you're, you have today hard feelings towards somebody who's wronged you. Listen, we can't handle situations like that on our own. But Jesus, as he departed this earth, earth and ascended in the hills says I'll not leave you comfortless but I'll send the comforter and he'll guide you he'll strengthen you he'll give you boldness and, and he'll give you the strength to say I'm sorry he'll give you the strength to turn around he'll give you strength to walk or walk away from the wrong things of life and do the right thing certainly none of us could do the things some things if it depended on our strength but the Bible says it's not by might nor by power but it's by his spirit, saith the Lord. And when you invite Jesus Christ into your life, he lifts the load of sin from our lives and, and the Holy Spirit enters our life 
And the peace of God that transcends all of our understanding begins to reach out with a hunger. I want to know more about Jesus. I want him to be the Lord of my life. And if today's the last day of my life and I've said, Lord, I surrender all. I give my life to you. If there's something you can use me for, I'm here. I'm offering myself as a servant of the Lord. Not only will he forgive you, not only will he assign you to a calling, but he'll also write your name in the book of life. And when the life comes to a close, somebody will remember you by your last words. I walked out of a hospital room just this past week, not knowing that would be my last visit, knowing this person was close to leaving this world. And I called this lady by name and I said, I love you. And her last words were, I love you too, Orville. And her, her, her family came in at a later time and said that she never responded again. I'll never forget those words. Those were her last words. I want you to remember the, the last words that Jesus spoke before he died on the cross. You're going to rejoice. Listen to us next Sunday as we say goodbye today. What a joy it is to bring the message to, to an audience many we've never met. If you don't have a church home and you live in this community, Elk Grove needs you. If you have a church home, be loyal to your pastor. Encourage him. He's like you. He needs encouragement. He needs love. And, and always make it a matter of prayer to tell him, I appreciate you, pastor, and I'm praying that you'll do good as you continue the journey of life. God bless you today. From Elm Grove family, we love you. This morning as our time together comes to an end, there's a, a term that we've all been hearing a lot here over the last several weeks, and that's the term silent carrier. Uh, when dealing with COVID-19, a lot of doctors and medical staff have talked about how you can be a silent carrier of COVID-19 before symptoms ever show you're a silent carrier, and in, in that you can infect others. I just got to thinking about that term, silent carrier. And I got to thinking about all the times that God has positioned me in places where I can be a carrier of hope, a carrier of joy, a carrier of peace, a carrier of his love, a carrier of his grace. But yet he put me in a position, put me in a place, and I didn't take advantage of that moment. And I was a silent carrier of what God had placed in my life. That's not the way to live. And I know I've been guilty of that. And maybe some of you are watching here this morning. Maybe you've been guilty of that too. And I just want to encourage you here this morning as we uh, uh, embark upon this new week. Let's not be silent carriers of Jesus Christ. This world right now needs truth and they need the message, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That's what we need. And so today, I'm challenging every person watching this simulcast. Do not be a silent carrier of Christ. There's a lot of people out there that have a thirst. In fact, we've all have had that thirst. We've all said, I thirst. That's what has drawn us into this relationship with Jesus Christ. And so many people in our world today, they are struggling with that thirst. And they have tried to fill that thirst with so many other things. But there's only one thing, come on, you and I both know, there's only one thing that can fill that thirst, that can quench that thirst. And that is a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, we're not going to be silent carriers of Christ. We're going to be loud carriers. We're going to be energetic carriers. We're going to be cheerful carriers and joyful carriers of the one who gave his life for you and I. 
So today, as we, uh, again, embark upon this new week, let me just say a prayer over you today. And uh, we're just believing God to do some incredible things in our heart and in our life. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your many blessings. God, thank you for everyone who's watching this simulcast today. And God, I pray that your hand will just extend their way today. God, as we go about this new week, God, I pray that you would open doors of opportunity. God, that you would open doors of blessing before our people. God, you would open doors of, of, of grace and mercy and open doors where we could share who you are and what you mean in our life. God, we are not silent carriers. We will not be silent carriers. There is a world that is thirsty. And God, you have put in us springs of living water. And God, I pray this week would be a week that that geyser and those gushers would just overflow onto those people around us. Lord, we love you. And today, I pray a blessing upon our Elm Grove family and all those who may be watching. God, go with us in this week. Lead us, guide us, and direct us. And God, we're looking to you today. You're our hope, you're our strength, and you're our joy. And God, we love you, and we praise you, and we worship you today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Hey, Elm Grove family and all those who are joining us today, thank you for joining us here at Elm Grove Online. We are so honored that you choose to spend a portion of your day in worship and in the Word with us. We don't take that for granted, and we don't take that lightly. Hey, God bless you guys. Let's make this a great week as we worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords together. God bless you guys. We'll see you back next week for Easter Sunday Online. It's going to be a great one. Don't miss it. God bless you guys. We'll talk to you later.